Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of the Blackcast on my phone, ready to play right now. to the black cast joining me right now from every mother's nightmare rick rule who uh they have an album called Res- resurrect the faithful that uh is uh, by the time people see this is out now uh, rick thanks for taking the time to talk to me today good uh, glad to be here man uh you and i uh were originally going to chat last week and then uh, we rescheduled it to this week but i'm still going to start with the same question because i feel like even a week later it's worth talking about uh, I don't, the passing of Eddie Van Halen, and I don't know if you knew him. I don't even know, you know, I don't know if the band ever, you know, played a gig with them or anything, but I feel like it, it's it's hard to, you know, there's a few figures you can probably pick from, you know, rock in the last 40 years that are more universally, you know, Neil Peart, who also per- passed away this year, is kind of one of the other ones. Right. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, he's great. So I uh, just wanted to start off getting your thoughts on Van Halen, the band, Eddie is a guitar player, and uh, maybe the first time you ever heard a Van Halen song. Oh, that's cool stuff right there, because uh, Van Halen was one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, Dave, you know, um, was, uh, you know, my first concert, I guess, was, uh, oh, God, uh, Running With The Devil Tour, I guess that's what I was going to call it. But, uh, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen, the other night when that happened, uh, uh me and uh, my drummer Alan Bone would just sit around here in the studio and we listened to, you know, um, a couple of records, you know, just some old records and uh, and just listen to how incredible a guitar player he was. You know, you just you forget about all the songs, uh, like on uh, all the way up to to you know Fair Warning and all that stuff. Uh, just the solos and just the playing is incredible. The riff, the rhythms he's doing behind there, and uh, uh, just a. Uh, very incredible. I don't even know. I wish I could do it. We were sitting there listening to a run he done. I was like, if I could do one quarter of that, I would be happy. You know, right? so yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shame. I hate it because, uh, you know, he, uh, he changed, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that changed guitar, you know, changed, that was one of the bands that kind of changed, you know, rock and roll. You know, there's, there's these little pillar bands that, uh, my whole, you know, life growing up, you know, it was, uh, you know, Alice Cooper, then Kiss, you know, and then, you know, Van Halen, it just went on down the line all the way up to, you know, Guns N' Roses. And then that's, you know, to me, that's when everything changed when, uh, when the music scene got washed up with, you know, the radio and doing the, you know, the, uh, 
I don't know what you just everybody got stuck into the ballads and trying to do the biggest ballad and the best ballad and and uh, forgot about what rock and roll really was was about running around the roads and eating peanut butter and playing uh, playing <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously, even, uh, you know, Van Halen had uh, some very successful, very popular uh, ballads, you know, a lot of those with Sammy. And it's it's easy to uh, focus on how great, especially like the first four Van Halen records were. But uh, just, you know, like right now, ever since he passed away uh, on satellite radio, Sirius XM has had this uh, Van Halen channel. So you just you hear all this stuff uh, and stuff that, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't a huge uh, different kind of truth fan, you know, some of the, the, the later stuff. But then you hear uh, it and you're like, even on a song that maybe might not be my favorite, Eddie's great. You know, yeah. you've always got something in it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't argue with his playing, man, ever. You know, yeah. no matter what he does, he can play the shell of the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Now, was that your uh, your first concert period was seeing Van Halen or that was just the first you saw them? I guess that would have been for the first album if it was running with the devil. Well, my, what happened was, is you know, back in the day, you didn't have uh, all this, you know, media hitting you and with, sure. with hanging. So you had to find them things. And what happened was I found this white record. I used to go, my, me and my mom would go out uh, and visit some of my family in Orange County, California every, every summer. And I got, I bought this white uh, record and, uh, and I wish I still had it, but the, uh, you know, the vinyl was pressed so cheaply. It had greens and speckles of different color stuff in it, but it was uh, barely, apparently it was Van Halen's last, uh, last show in town at i, I want to say something like the the palomina club or something like that it was just something crazy but it you know it had uh it had running with the devil and it had the atomic punk and it had the horns and everything but it you can tell it it, it uh it, it hadn't been put on record yet it hadn't been you know just synced up in in what we what we know so uh and it was a pretty uh it was a pretty cool thing it was raw you know it was just off a of board mix or something like that but uh it was very cool. It didn't have no name, no nothing on it, but it was very cool. Yeah, and I mean, I guess visiting Southern California would be the way, you know, because for years they would play parties like in Pasadena and around. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles, so, you know, you hear, you know, every once in a while you meet somebody that actually had seen the band in one of those things. And, you know, it's right. also crazy to think about was- the fact that Dave, <laughs> en- Dave ended up in the band because he had the equipment, you know, he had a PA. So it's like, oh, he's not our, he's not our first choice, but he has the equipment. And, you know, and you it- can you can say what you want about Dave as a, as a singer singer, but as a yeah. front man, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to compare anybody to David Lee Roth, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, Sammy, when they got with Sammy, it was a little more, Sammy got the range, he got the thing, but, you know, I just, the way I see Van Halen was, you know, that was, that was the, uh, them four guys was the magic, you know, you know, back in, you know, coming up, we were listening to the record, it was like, you think how uh, them records were not really like, the amps are not wide open and everything, everything's just really, uh, really toned down to, what to the way it is today anyway um just very cool stuff uh, forgot about a lot of songs and the way they you know at the end of songs they would just jam for a minute and do things and uh yeah you know, i've always loved that you know listen to a record you know kind of nowadays uh songs are wham 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 they're just trying to pack them in you know and uh, so we was uh I, I, we kind of try to do that a little bit ourselves uh you know you take a take a little bit from your heroes and uh try to you know build on it or whatever 
Yeah, I mean, but, uh, it's interesting. But, sort of the the old approach would be, you know, I mean, it's like I I I, I feel like. You know, on the Beatles' White Album, there's, you know, an Eric Clapton guitar solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and they're fading out during it, you know? It's just like, no, no, this is what I want to hear more of, you know? I mean, everything before it was great, too, but give me, I don't know, 20 more seconds. What's the rush? Um, go ahead. Uh, but uh, so, you know, you were talking about some of the other uh, bands' influence, so it's always worth showing up uh, that I have, uh, in honor of uh, Election Day coming, I do have uh, Alice Cooper on, and... Uh, Oh, what that was were, my first show. That was your was first show? Yeah, very first yeah, thing. It was it was my it was first set. show too, but my but I I uh came along a little bit later. So I, I saw him on the trash tour in nineteen ninety, but that was the first concert I ever went to. And then I saw Kiss and Aerosmith that same summer. So it was like I, I, I said this to somebody recently, like when you you know your first three concerts are, are those bands, you're like, Oh wow, is everybody this great? And then right. you realize pretty quickly, no, no, not everybody's quite that good. That's a great one, huh? Right. No, my mom took me to um, took me to see um, Alice Cooper, and she told she I was like like I said I was seven, and um, she took me to it, and I was just he had the you know that was the big to me that was probably at his pinnacle you know at that day the stage show was incredible, and uh, and I just went home and I learned every breath every note on that record I listened to it the other night you know that's what I I've been listening to. A bunch of stuff like that from uh, when we were writing just to clear my head but you know but i grew up uh with my uncle worked for charlie daniels for 29 years uh, i grew up around evan bishop marshall tucker uh you know uh, ricky skagg stuff like that so i've just i've been bombarded with music <laughs> yeah it's just uh you know i i grew up in new york and i've lived in los angeles for more than 15 years so it's always interesting you know when uh, i get a chance to talk to someone you know who grew up in in the south you always wonder about like just sort of the combination because a lot of people that i'll end up interviewing will be people that go on into a career in rock and you always sort of wonder about what's the what's the moment where it goes like oh i could really get into the the world of country or i really really like you know the, the harder rock and uh you know you always get some some different uh, interesting answers so you just sort of gravitated it seems to me from what you're saying you gravitated more towards the, the harder rock stuff. And at what point do you start playing? Is it like, wow, look what Eddie, Eddie Van Halen can do. I want to be a musician or is it something completely different than that? Well, from that, from the second, uh, from the, the day after the Cooper concert, you know, I had that, I had a little <laughs> plastic record player and I would play that thing, but I'd play that record and uh, that was it. You know, I was already, I just started, you know, remember, remembering what I saw and, uh, and just learning, man. And then, uh, you know, I just kind of felt what I really dig is that it's, I just like music. You know, if it's good, uh, good is good. And, and you know, when it's good, you know, when it's not. So, uh, um, it don't matter what it is, it's, you know, uh, as long as it's got a little heart and soul in it. And, uh, uh I love it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, uh, obviously, as, as I referenced the new album, uh, Resurrect the Faithful, which uh, I was able to listen to last week. And uh, I, I think it's great. And I think it's the, the best thing about it is that, you know, you're a band that's, uh, you know, obviously been around for a little while, but you still put out new music. And it seems like you because know, there was also the, the documentary uh, that was on the social media. It was on the YouTube page for the uh, 
for the record label. And uh, I uh, so, and I'll, I'll make sure to mention that again in, in a moment, but it's just how excited everybody is to be making new music. And that's kind of what you want to see. You'll hear some yeah. <laughs> other musicians that are like, I don't know why we would make music anymore, you know? And uh, right. so I always like to hear when, you know, obviously you'd like to hear about new bands, but also when you know bands have been around for a while that you could go like, yeah, well, we could go and play the same, you know, 45 minute set, you know, on a festival for the next 20 years. But uh, talk about how important it is to you personally and the rest of the band to actually keep making new music. Well, man, I just feel like, uh, you know, it's just like getting demons off my shoulders pretty much, you know, uh, uh, pretty much everything I write is, you know, uh, we're just a rock band. So all we've done all this whole time when, when rock was high and when it was low, we've, we've just been traveling around playing anywhere we can play and, and writing because that's, that's just what we do. Um, God, man, that's a hard question. Um, um, Is it just as simple as, you know, even if you didn't want to sit down and make new music, you'd have stuff in your head. Like if you just, you know, if you guys just sort of were sitting at home, you'd still be thinking about it. Maybe you'd, you know, pick up a guitar or whatever. I'll, so you I'll might as well try and hone it and actually put it out for people to enjoy. No, I've always, I've, I write, uh, I've always got guitars, something hollering, humming, this and that. I just like, uh, I just want to keep, uh, I would, I'd like to be known for what I'm doing instead of what I've done. Cause you know, uh, I'm not, you know, real proud of, my record deal started out with um, playing 13 shows. I wanted a record deal, Guns N' Roses and all this was going on and all this stuff was happening. I said, gotta have a record deal. And so I got enough songs scraped together. Uh, you know, I, I practiced the art of writing songs pretty much the whole time I've been growing up. And, uh, you know, um, I got a record deal and didn't know what to do with it. You know, we played 13 shows. Next thing we're in a studio, this <laughs> gazillion dollars and we're, uh, you know, just don't know what we're doing. Ask backwards, jumping in, feet first, you know. But man, uh, you know, just learning and and seeing all the people. And I sit in the studio. Uh, back to the Van Halen thing. I sit in the studio with Jim Gaines and and David Lee Roth for three days while we were recording. And he was nothing like I ever thought he would ever be. You know, he uh, he just sit over in the corner, smoke pot, and uh, <laughs> and listen to us record. So, um, you know, it, it just. I think uh, if you don't push your push yourself, and I'm not gonna mention no names, but there's a lot of bands that are still from the time, you know, I was I got lumped into hair band or, you know, whatever you want to call it, hair band or uh, whatever. I mean, that's what a lot of people call it, and you know, it's uh, it, it, it it's very easy to dismiss it when you use it. I mean, I think some some bands kind of embrace that, and you know, it's talking about satellite radio. There's a there's a channel called Hair Nation. And yeah. I definitely will hear your song "Love Love Can Make You Blind." I hear that on that channel. And yeah, I mean, you got that's how you back then you had to have that song to get to anything, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I think that uh, I think you're right. There are plenty of those bands who, uh, you know, they they basically just go out and play the hits, and you know, even much bigger bands. I mean, uh, Aerosmith has been very upfront. They they've said, I don't know why we would make another record, you know. And right. if they don't want to make one, then they shouldn't, you know. Right. <laughs> I think you get the other side of that, where it's like, well, here's a bunch of money to make a record, and it's like, no, let's not let's not let's not listen to that then, you know. So. Uh, you know, you were talking about sort of, you know, getting into the studio for the, the first record. Uh, I love watching everybody talk about this one. So talk about why you were so comfortable at these studios. And I think 
in the little documentary, I think you talked about it. You were, you would actually spend all day there, and you were even sleeping in the studio while you guys were recording. Uh, yeah, man, I, I had my my pajamas and house shoes on. That's so I just go lay on their couch and watch TV, and they'd bring food in, and we'd play video games. It was just a uh, man. I, it was a a, a real good uh, buddy of mine, Ziggy from uh, American Outlaws Guitars. He uh, he makes me guitars. He um he was doing some work at the studio for him, and I'd been trying to get in touch. Uh, and do some stuff with Dave Cal for a long time and uh, just never worked out. But they just built a studio literally on the backside of where I live on my subdivision. Uh, there's uh, some train tracks and it goes out in the country and there's this one little road that shoots off and they built a little studio there. And it's probably, you know, six minutes from my house. Uh, and they kept going, man, you have a rule to come down here and hang out for a minute? I mean, uh, so, uh, you know, they kept telling me, I, someone, I just jumped in my, my car and went down there and sit and hung out with them and they were playing stuff. And, uh, you know, they played me four or five things that they were doing and uh, he was sitting in his chair and he's turned around and he goes, now, if you do a record here, it'll be this big and it'll cost this much. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we went down there and uh, the first, the last song we had written was Breathe. And uh, we went down there and just, uh, you know, it was almost finished, so uh, I was gonna make sure we could work together. So we, let's do one song, see what happens, and uh, and go from there. So I wanted to see how, what his producer hat was, because like I said, I never got to work with him, but I like what he does. And uh, we just went in there, and he was just like one of the band, you know, it was comfortable. Uh, Matt, uh, I've known Matt, the guy that actually owns the studio. He had been a fan forever. I let him play on Love Can Make You Blind when we did a remake of it. He played guitar on it. And, uh, I, you know, it just clicked. It just worked. And as uh, soon as I got done with Breathe, you know, uh, I don't even think we were finished yet. They were sitting in control room. And I said, man, let's just do the record. Let's just go ahead and do it. And, uh, and it just fell. Everything like that, it, it just fell together. It, we finished almost like two weeks when the COVID thing hit wide open. So we were just kind of waiting to, to mix and master this uh, through that time. And uh, I don't know, it's just, you know, stroke of luck, the, the songs before we even, even started writing, I sat down with everybody. I said, I don't want to do anything like, um, like I've heard other, you know, bands do just kind of rehashing what they've done. I, everything from drum fills coming in to punches to, how many course passes we do everything. I just want to think about it and do some, you know, just a little different, just something, uh, you know, that's us five, you know, cause this is a whole new band. And, uh, and it just, it just, you know, it was just one of those things where you, you either got real lucky or, or good or something for a minute. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love the record. There's, you know, I, there's things I would like to do with it, but I've ever since I had a big deal with, uh, Clive Davis, uh, you know, I'd go in there in the studio and we're spending the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, that's the last time I spent any length of time in a studio that, that I wasn't selling my car to pay for. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we went in there and done it. And uh, when Bill from the record label heard it, he called me like, I told him, I said, let's just do the record there. And he, he called and said, uh, hey, man, uh, I guess I could book you nine weeks in that studio. I was like, nine weeks? And it's right here behind my house? I was like, yeah. I was like, 
All right. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the behind the scenes that I'm talking about, it's called uh, "Here's to the Ones," a documentary, and that can be found on the BraveWords.com social network. So it's just right out there. That's where I saw it on YouTube. It's uh, I think there is a version that can be purchased, but you can just watch like about a half hour of everybody excited talking about it. And that was one of the things that I was going to ask you. So you actually got everything recorded sort of right before the you know things started to shut down because of the virus right so you yeah. uh you, you yeah, it finally hit right at the very end so yeah so you uh you kind of lucked out in that way because uh you know i mean and uh was there ever any question on oh let's wait till next year because you know the for there's a lot of, uh, you know, look, we'll, we'll see a lot of tours next year or maybe the year after that got canceled from this year, like some pretty big ones. And at the same time, you see that there's a lot of albums that were supposed to come out this year and everybody's like, well, I can't tour for it. I'm going to wait till next year. But yeah. then you, there's the other way to look at it. If ACDC feels like they can put out an album uh, in November, why can't everybody put out an album? So <laughs> so you guys felt pretty confident like that you were always going to put it out when it was ready, right? Yeah, I mean, as soon as we had a, you know, uh, as soon as we had enough material and and it just for we had a we had a little uh, stint there where we started writing stuff. When I first wrote "Breathe," I was I didn't even I was afraid to show it to him because to me it was just so much different than everything I'd done. You know, it was just choppy rock thing, and uh, uh, I finally showed it to to Troy and I, and Alan, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, man, let's do, let's do that." And I was that this is kind of where I wanted to go with it. You know. Uh, I just want it to be really real uh, and, and um, you know, nothing preconceived of any way. Uh, everything is true life from the gut. Uh, and it's happened to one of us in this group. Uh, I kind of like uh, my whole philosophy on songwriting is uh, we play what we see and write what we live. <laughs> so, and if I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it sounded good to me when I... <laughs> no, I mean, it, it absolutely does. You know, I mean, it's almost like, you know, if you want to be uh, any kind of writer, you, you know, you'll be much better at it. The you got to you know, live a little, you know, and it's like, uh, I don't... I don't, I don't mean to disparage, uh, you know, a, a, a global, you know, multi-million record recording artist, but to me, an example was always... Uh, Billy Joel was a great songwriter and then he married Christy Brinkley and then they were still fun songs, but it's like, it, it, he was like a completely different guy, you know? And it's like, yeah, because if I, married the, if, if you marry the most beautiful woman in the world, all of a sudden you, you're, you don't have to write a song about contemplating suicide. <laughs> so uh, I was, uh, I was talking to you about how I listened to the album uh, last week and I feel like I listened to it in the perfect way. It was late at night. I was putting notes together for this and I had the headphones on. So, uh, you know, and so it was all right here in my ears where, it, you know, a little bit louder, but, you know, in a good way. And uh, I, I, to me, I, I, helped, I picked up on some subtleties that I think if I was listening to, especially if I was listening to it in the car, you know, if I was listening to it on regular speakers, I might not have picked up on it. Uh, and one of the songs I really liked was a song called When It Goes Away. And there's this like acoustic guitar picking or something in the background that I don't know that I would have heard. Uh, and I assume you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was just yeah. this, like, this sound that you don't usually get. And you're talking yeah. about this album sounding different. So I'm kind of wondering what that was. That is, a, that's just stuff John does, man. He, uh, he, uh, I think he's kind of mental. He's, uh, I played with him in a little side project I did a long time ago. And I always disliked, hey, when he goes to play a solo, uh, it's never, you know, 
what I would expect. This, these, uh, you know, I told them guys, I was like, man, I've never seen two guys with uh, guitar players, and we gave them these big old dynamic holes to play solo in, and you know, do a little bit, and then just throws this cool rhythm in, and a, a just unselfish, just uh, you know, just going for the song, and uh, man, I couldn't tell you what he did, but I. The first time I heard it, I thought, I was like, what is, <laughs> what is that? But yeah. It just does stuff like that, man. It's a, it's a trip. And I, you know, I think that's what kind of brings the different, you know, it's got, it's got to, you got to push yourself and you got to do things different or you're just going to be, you know, you're just going to be stagnant. I, I believe. <laughs> you'll, you'll end up being one of those bands that we didn't want to name earlier, you know, <laughs> <Right. Don't> do <laughs> who, who do the same set list from, you know, 1991 uh, that oh. they do in 2021. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of uh, performing live, uh, there is a, a song called uh, Drown by Love that I think has a great sing-along quality. And to me, that feels like one that when you are able to go out and perform live, that strikes me as one that's going to be a lot of fun. It, 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 is that the way that you guys in the band look at that song? Yeah. Yeah, man, it was a. Uh, it kind of uh, it kind of came about as uh, us going to the store, you know, and jumping in this old truck that I had behind my house, and uh, you know, it just uh, it, it just kind of took off. It, it, it was probably the first song we finished, but it, it was one of those songs, you know, when it just happens and, it, and you wrote it, and it's like it's been like 15 minutes, and every almost every aspect of the song is done. You're like, wow, man, if the whole record comes like that, we'll be done in about two weeks. <laughs> But uh, man, I, I love the song. It's uh, it's kind of stupid. This guy, uh, the guy that I say something about there in the middle, um, he was telling us a story. <laughs> he was telling a story about what these guys do in jail. They take these rubber gloves and they call them fifis and they tie them together and this their girlfriend or something. And I said, "Drown by." They fill them up with hot water. I said, "Drown by love." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "We got to do it." And we it just fell together and. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's funny. we used it to open a couple of shows before we recorded it, and uh, it went over really well. But like, yeah. you, uh, when it goes away, that's probably my, that's my probably my favorite thing uh, that uh, that that I that I wrote because I took Dave a piece about this big of that song because we started messing with the um, messing with it one night, and it it just never would. We could do like a verse, chorus, and verse, chorus, but never could get all the rest rest of the pieces to it and um i took it to the studio and i just got guitar and i said here's what i got and uh, uh this is what i loved about him he turned around and he goes grabbed his guitar and and we started playing together and and we just started banging shit off each other and it was like you know it's kind of a little magical thing and uh it, it just came together and uh, you know that's what i really wanted him for uh is this the you know all this shit I got in my head? Can you put it in some kind of order, <laughs> some kind of order where uh, it's not just me babbling in my band going? You just gotta do this part. <laughs> and that song was uh, the thing about that song is that song could have been real easy. As soon as they started playing it, when I showed them this one the riff that I had, it could have been real easy. Something like um, I don't want to say this, but it could have been something like every rose you know what i'm saying in that vein of a song and, sure yeah absolutely and and i didn't i what i was feeling and what was going on in my house was um everything but that. so john comes in to record that night and uh you know me and my my daughter she's a splitting image of me and she's she's about to turn 18 and it's, it's kind of it's kind of rough because i fight with her and it's fighting with me but 
John came in the studio and he's starting to play it. And I was like, no. And I kept I kept beating him down. He, he goes, man, I was in a great mood till we got here. I said, I want you in a good mood. I want you to be mad. I want you to be sad. And uh, yeah, man, it, the, that song really hit, uh, hit home. I mean, it was right. When I came out of the studio, everybody was sitting back like that. And I said, I'm just going to throw some lyrics at it and say some shit. And uh, if you get, uh, you know, Tell me if I go too far or say the wrong thing. I came out and everybody was just sitting there and, and I just opened the door and I said, that's what's happening at my house. And I shut the door and went back in there. And uh, it just, uh, it took, you know, it finished it. I love it. Uh, I like it because it's slow. It's almost right behind your heartbeat. You know, it's just like, almost like you're falling. And uh, that's what I wanted every song to, wherever it went and wherever a mood I was in or these guys were in, it had to go. I had to go there, you know what I'm saying? Like just like Drowned by Love, it just had to be raucous and redneck and, and not give a shit. <laughs> right. Uh, I wanted to talk about the the song "Resurrect the Faithful" and uh, you know what goes into naming the album after that song. Uh, I wanted to kind of start, let you uh, take a moment to talk about the the voicemail that uh, is the uh, the the part of that song. The voicemail. My boy Gunner, other guitar player, he. Um, he kept telling me about this thing. And he said, it's this little girl. It's on the internet. And it's been, okay. it's been recirculating. It just re, it just plays over and over for years. It's just been going, that thing has just been going over and nobody knows where it's coming from, who's sending it or what. And I was like, this song was kicking my ass because this was Gunner's song. And one night at practice, uh, when we were writing, me and Troy started messing with Gunner, started changing his course a little bit. And Troy started chopping it where it does that little weird chop off thing. And, and I was just hanging it on, just messing with Gunner, you know. And before I knew it, the, the song was, was written and I'm sitting here and I didn't have a course and I hated it and I didn't like nothing about it. <laughs> and this little thing that he was, he kept saying, and he brought it to the studio one night played it and I, I said that's the beginning of the song it's got to be and i don't even really know what it is that other this this little girl and she's counting down and uh but there's this oh it's just bizarre looking it looks like something out of uh you know one of those um like uh that movie the grudge or something you know it's sure. just yeah. eerie you know like and uh the the song like i said that i ha i had that intro in the song before i even had the song but it started giving me you know ideas and uh I, I was in the studio just running through it and i just couldn't get it to happen and i just blew it off so i'm gonna go home eat something feed my kid and uh, got home and just you know in the kitchen cooking and stuff and humming through it and dropped out a line and the whole everything fell together i called him hey man <laughs> i said i'll be back down there <laughs> i went down there i said uh, I just said, man, this just hit me. So give me a couple passes if we're not, you know, on track, kind of on track or, you know, somewhere uh, I can't, you know, just crush it and figure out something later. And, and uh, I went in there and resurrect the faithful. And I just started thinking about all the rock and roll, you know, the, all the people, uh, the, you know, there's still people that like rock and roll. I just, there's people that like good music. So I was just like, you know, I said, resurrect the faithful, man. There's still people out there that want to do this. There's people that want to write music. There's people that want to play music. I live music. So, uh, you know, I just figured uh, and it, it just fell in and I started saying it. And 
everybody was like, and that's pretty cool. And I said, man, I'm thinking, because I was calling Record Fray before that, you know, just to have a working title. Sure, yeah. I finally hit the course, and I was like getting, you know, the course had a good little, yeah, this I say, yeah, yeah. I was digging all that. Yeah, resurrect the faithful. And I said, I'm, I'm digging it. So, uh, and I we just, we threw it on Bill. I said, I think we're going to change the name, you know. I didn't let him listen. I, the guy from Bill from the record label, I did the whole writing of the record and recording of the record and then let him hear a song. I just said, you got to take my word for it. And, and uh, uh, know that I love you. Know I would never screw you over and take my word for it that it's, that it's, uh, you know, it's different. You know, it's steady progression of what we're doing, but um, it's just different, you know? And uh, I said, but I'm gonna change the name. And uh, we went down to uh, the, the first place Right as soon as we left the studio, we were going down the road. And there's a little cemetery, and somebody had built this big old bronze, big old thing sticking up like this, and it's got these two. I think they're eagles or they're black birds or crows or something, but they're fighting in the air. And uh, and I just stopped here and we took, started taking pictures, and uh, that's the way the whole record went. It's kind of it's kind of bizarre, you know, but uh, that's how it came together. It just fell yeah. together. Yeah, and I mean, it is sort of one of those, uh, it is a little bit of a, of, a, of a rallying cry where you talk about resurrect the faithful. I mean, you think about, obviously, you know, when you when you look at in terms of music, physical music sales and all that, you know, you do see a lot of pop and stuff. But then when you look at the, you know, the, the tours, when we're actually able to go out and have tours, tour grossing, you'll always see, you know, like the, the Guns N' Roses tour, you know, yeah. what is hugely popular. I mean, uh, one of the biggest grossing of all time. And you're like, well, yeah, there are people that still want that. And it's like, if, if it, I, I guess the one side of it, it's very easy to go and find a new song and be like, you know, you type in the name of your band and like, oh, look, they have a new song. But you don't know to look for it unless, uh, unless you know, you just, you think of it. So it's sort of the, the mixed blessing. It's like, I've talked to other artists about this. It's much easier to communicate directly with fans now because it's like, oh, if they, if they liked, if they saw you a few years ago, they liked the last record, maybe they signed up for something or the, you know, they, they follow with social media or whatever. So then when there is something new, they can find out, but just uh, maybe somebody that hasn't thought about it in a little while, it must be uh, hard to reach them. And I think that that, that idea, the song, the the title of the album, I think, uh, you know, is definitely the 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 right mindset for people who right. just like good music, whether it was recorded 30, 40, 50 years ago or, you know, last month. You know, it's like if it sounds good, it's a good song. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of those songs that I was listening to that I thought that. Uh, I do want to talk to you about uh, the song Here's to the Ones that uh, is dedicated to the military. And I'm just sort of wondering, do you sit down like, all right, I'm going to write a song for the troops or does it happen a little bit more organically than that? How does, how does that song come about? It's all uh, monkey see monkey do, <laughs> you know, um, I tell you, the, this song makes me cry. This, uh, the, when I start talking about this song, it tears me up because we're playing a little show in Texas. Uh, I think it was last year or so, but, um, we're sitting there, you know, and there's this kid, I can't remember how old he is, but I got his name and stuff in there and, uh, but he was, he stood around all day, you know, hanging out at the club and bought the t-shirts and, you know, did all the, you know, just was there. And then, you know, after the show, this was hell one thirty two in the morning, still there. And, uh, you know, and he'd hung out all day and seen him and, you know, said, and he just, uh, he came up and, uh, 
he'd been uh, over there and he lost his leg and then I don't know why it makes me cry, but he wanted me to sign his leg. And uh, that was weird to me. It was just, uh, I seen his face, he'd seen shit, and uh, he was cool as hell, and he hung out with me the rest of the night. And uh, wanted me to sign his leg, man, and uh, said, uh, you know, just, man, Chris, thank you for signing my leg and, and this, this shit like that. I'm like, dude, <laughs> said, you lost your leg watching my back so I can play music, you know? So yeah. it kind of affected me uh, like, a, I don't know, every time I, cut, I tell Bill this, every time I talk about this song, I start crying, man, it pisses me <laughs> off. But uh, it was just uh, something that really struck me and it hit home with me because when I was started talking to him, you know, he had a scar on his head and, and uh, just a cool guy, his name's Mike, and I started calling him Mighty Mike. and. Uh, he was just cool. He goes, nobody cares. I said, I care. I said, man, I signed, gave him everything that I had, records, uh, vinyl, everything. And uh, yeah. and uh, just, um, you know, just I, I talked to him all night and hung out with him. And, uh, uh, and it, that just, it just really hit me, you know. A lot of them guys over there come home, and he was talking about, some, you know, having trouble. And, um, you know, just, uh, I don't know, just, it just kind of affected me getting older. And, and uh, just wrote the song, just, it just fell, it kind of fell together, you know, uh, and, and one thing, every I listen to a lot of country music, when I, I, go, I do a lot of welding during the day, and um, well, with all country music on, and uh, the guys, some of the guys that I work with, they like new country, but I'll turn it, I like old country, like Johnny Cash and the old shit like that, sure, yeah. um, but every song I heard is like, you know, uh, these are for the guys that never, you know, didn't come home. And I said, man, there's a lot of fucking guys that came home and nobody gives a shit. You know, they're fucking struggling. And uh, so I said, this one right here, I wrote it to both, you know, it's the gave their all. And, and uh, uh, you know, here's the ones that come back home. You can live, man. But, you know, uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys, it's just, uh, it's tough, you know. It really affected me just seeing the look in his eyes, like, you know, he's seen, uh, he's seen the shit. He's seen the real deal. He ain't yeah. seen, you know, talking about whipping somebody's ass or shooting somebody. He had to go, you know, kill or be killed. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's, no, I mean, it's, that's I a, think it's the, you know, the sort of thing that, you know, those of us that haven't lived through that, you know, we can't relate to what that's like, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a, a friend who's in the Marines and he was, we were just talking about, you know, the time that he spent in Iraq and he talked about one time a truck in front of him blew up another time a truck behind him blew up. And it's like, there's, there's, there's nothing you can do. It's just random. You know, it, it, you just, there's, you know, it's just, you don't understand it. And I think, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great sentiment to kind of talk about the people that do come back, you know? And I mean, obviously this is sort of a, this is a, a much heavier topic, but it's like, when you think about uh, as, as terrible as it was, all the people who lost their lives in, in Vietnam, then you talk, think about everybody who came back and, you know, literally people, the way that they treated them, it, it just couldn't have been worse. And I, I like to think it's better than that now, but it's always, it's always nice to know that, I'm sure for them that like somebody does appreciate it because I, he probably did feel like, yeah, nobody cares, you know, about my story. And, and, I yeah. said, man, I do. I said, I'm sorry. You know, uh, that, it just blew me away. You know, it, uh, he was just, uh, 
I don't know. It just, uh, he was just kind of nonchalant about it, but, uh, you just tell, man, as, uh, <laughs> this, it fucking really put a stroke on me. So, uh, I just wanted to do that song that way. And, uh, you know, and, uh, we got, you know, I'm trying to get, get it finished, worked out right now, but, uh, got in touch with the wounded warrior people. And I was just trying to, yeah, anything that we generate off that song was going to give to them guys and, and do sure. whatever and go do shows, whatever, whatever they want us to, you know, that we can do or want to do, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, shit, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, yeah, I'll do whatever. <laughs> I've been doing free shows for the March of Dimes since I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is, uh, uh, was that, uh, how did you become in, involved with the March of Dimes? Uh, that, that Man, organization? Uh, remember the Jerry Lewis telethons and all that? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Back in, you know, back when we were younger, everybody used to get a can and used to go to everybody's house and collect change and take it down there and do it. Well, me and my buddy Johnny Browning, we were young. We were, we got, went and got some all day long. We went and walked around and got some, and we went and bought model cars with it, man. I felt like a shit hill for the rest of my, uh, everything I've ever, uh, we bought a $5 model car with it, you know, with, with some of the money and it just, uh, my mom kicked my ass too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, we would get those, uh, we'd go out on Halloween. We'd have the little UNICEF uh, boxes. And uh, yeah, if, yeah. My, if my mom had found out that uh, I didn't turn it in, uh, it would have been the same thing actually. Yeah. Beat the shit out of me, man. <laughs> she, was, she was like that, but you know, it just, uh, I just felt, uh, you know, anytime I, I was, we had, a, it's called the MDA jam here in Memphis and we played it just about any, any, Anytime it was, if we we were around here or could, uh, and just you know went down to the show and donated money and and uh, you know just trying to pay back, <laughs> trying to pay back, you know. Yeah, try, just, uh, try to, trying to pay back a model car from you know however many decades ago. It's uh, you know I, it's, it seems like you've more than made up for it. So uh, sometimes uh, sometimes a guilty <laughs> conscience can uh, actually be a good thing. Uh, Changing gears, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the the song "Love Can Make You Blind," which uh, obviously is, uh, you know, I would say the the song that the band is best known for from uh, you know thirty years yeah. ago. Uh, and I, you know, you you said something interesting about it that that's sort of like without a song like that, especially in that time, nobody's going to really notice a band, you know. And you have a lot of bands that, you know have a especially a, a song that you know comes out at the right time then and then yeah it takes off and then you're able to basically have people remember you so much longer because of the one song uh i wanted to talk a little bit about that but then also the decision to record a new version of it which is included on the new album well the song um golly the song man i really uh i'll just tell you straight up uh when back in the day, you know, you had to have your ballad and you had to have this and you had to look a certain way to get processed through radio or MTV or, you know, you know how the, the machine works. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, uh, just a, another band from the same era. It's like it, it's it's all well and good that, uh, you know, Slaughter had that song up all night, but it's like they needed Fly to the Angels to be the song. Yeah, was, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wrote a little song uh and it was a good song, but for, uh, you know, for a lot of years, I hated that song. I played, I had to play it everywhere we did, anything we did. You know how it is. Anywhere you go, that's what's playing. You got to do this. And like I said, 
back at the beginning, we, we did 13 shows and the next thing we had a record deal and, sure. you know, I've had the record for, you know, uh, that whole record process, learning how to do that was nothing but a blur of people bringing in cocaine and, and just a party. It was just fucking uh, insane is what it was. <laughs> it was a big blow of, a blowing of money. But, um, you know, that little song, you know, I've got thinking about it and I played it a lot and I played it. And then it was, I went through things where I just didn't want to play it. And I was trying to get away from the 80s thing and and I finally just come to grips. I said, you know what? That little song took me from living in a 10 by 20, a 10 by 12 store all unit with no bathroom. All I had was a sleeping bag and a guitar and a little wall, you know, air conditioner heater. And that little song took me, uh, you know, out of there. And I got to go everywhere I ever wanted to go. I got to go to Playboy Mansion. I got to do all kind of crazy <laughs> shit. And, uh, and I finally just said, you know, uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of people liked it. And uh, even though the recording of it's horrible, um, so when uh, when we started getting these guys in the band and started, uh, you know, I really wanted to come back and put the band together, and I wanted to just do what I wanted to do uh, instead of being '80s rock guy or whatever you want to call it. I uh, just wanted to play music. Uh, we started revamping all the old songs that we still played, and we just took it and you know just took it and reworked it and changed a little bit about it uh you know just made it more like us it's a different band than than the guys that i that originally wrote it with and uh, so we just kind of brought it up to speed a little bit where we're at and um you know started getting good and we started really just uh we've been working so much on vocals we got this you know these harmony things that we've been doing and um it started getting real good, and I, you know uh, that brought us up to recording. You know, as a, uh, that song took me from here. It, you know, uh, got me in touch with Clive Davis. It got me, you know, from eating, uh, eating and using the bathroom out of, in a Mrs. Winter's cup to uh, actually in a house with a toilet. Beautiful thing. Uh, and then when we got here, you know, we had nine weeks in the studio, and um, you know, and we've been playing it good and. Uh, it just, I just wanted a good version of it, basically, you know, and I just wanted to, you know, fans to have a, uh, this is the way we do it now. It's a little different, but this is the band. This is how it is. And uh, I just wanted to do uh, Matt, you know, like I said, Matt, the guy that owns the studio, big fan. And uh, I just said, man, I want to do this song. I asked the guys in the band and they were like, cool, whatever you want to do, you're cool. And I, it was kind of a, when I did record it, it was kind of a, you know, it was almost a back to force, you know, when it first all happened, you know, and wrote it and everything. So uh, I just said, I want to do it for me. I want to do it for the fans. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, uh, that haven't heard it, and, uh, you know, uh, but the, the people that have heard it, I just wanted a version of it that uh, represents us now, represents the time. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I felt like I owed it a little, I always feel like I owe something just, so, you know, uh, it took me a long way. It did a lot of things for me. And, um, you know, I just wanted to do a good, where I could sit and be proud of it. Every time I heard the one off the record, I would just uh, cringe. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. Turn anything which is, on. But which is funny when you, uh, you know, what you referenced before, how much money you spent to record that first record and then versus, you know, recording this one now. Well, like you spend so much to get a version of it that you don't even like, you know. All right. 375000 and uh 
I probably did this record. I probably got under around maybe twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's crazy yeah it's always interesting you know when an artist has a song that is you know that they're really known for and people expect to want to see i remember going to see that band ugly kid joe and they didn't do that song everything about you and i was like they're a good band but that's the song i wanted to see you know what are they doing Bad. <laughs> You know, and uh, a few months ago, I talked to, uh, yeah, it's a different kind of music, but I, I talked to Dave Perner from the band Soul Asylum, and they have that song, Runaway Train. Yeah. Huge song. And I asked him, and he's like, you know, yeah, you know, it's a big song. It's a song I like. It's a song I wrote. But yeah, you don't you don't love playing it every night. And he, he what he said is that he would ask the audience, and about half the time, they would cheer loud, like, because they wanted to hear it. And then sometimes people are like, no, nah, I've heard it. Let's hear something different. You know, <laughs> you, you can give them a choice, you know, but I think, you know, coming back around to a song like that, it's, uh, you know, and, and obviously I think a lot of uh, artists would probably say, you know, artists who maybe never had that first album really take off that they would have killed for a song like that to at least get people to listen to it. So uh, it's a, it's a very Zen like experience 30 years later where you kind of like, all right, I've made my peace with the song, but I hate that version of it. So I'm going to right. do a new one. And you don't get to do that very often doing right. this, show, right? You know, and uh, so everybody was up for it. So I was just like, I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, what's the worst going to happen if it's not good? Then, well, can it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's always that too. Uh, yeah. And so uh, obviously we're talking about the album Resurrect the Faithful. And I, uh, I mentioned it earlier that uh, the uh, the documentary also called Here's to the Ones that can be found in the BraveWords.com uh, Brave social networks. Uh, and I just, uh, in, in closing, I kind of wanted to have you comment on, uh, there was a, a, I think you were the one who said it in this, that there's, there's no song on the album that you'd want to do over and you feel like they could all be a single. Uh, I'm going to assume that not every time that you've recorded an album where you feel like there isn't maybe one or two that like, oh, I wish I could kind of tweak that. So oh, do you feel like this is this is like, oh, this is the album where it's like, I actually, you know, where basically every one of them was a home. It's like, I forget how many songs are. I think it's 12, like 12 home runs or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, but, you know, the thing about this record and these guys I'm playing with now, I mean, I've been playing with Troy, my bass player for, God, man, he's for over 25 years. He's, you know, uh, but these, everybody, you know, everybody that jumped into this, all the way down even to Alan jumping in. Alan jumped in to learning the set going on the road and trying to write a record with us for the first time. Um, the uh, Just the chemistry of the guys, because everybody everybody in this band is, the song comes first and then the rest of the shit is, you know, you know what it is. And, um, and we just took every aspect of, of, of doing the record that way. And, everything if it didn't feel right and if it didn't feel right in our gut uh you know it, it just didn't, we were going to do it again or or move on you know and uh, even with the songs you know it it had to uh, just appeal to it and every record of every demo tape everything there's always one song on there that and you always start at this is going to be the best one and it's always the one you're going god it sucks <laughs> man i hate it you know sure it never like you want it but the thing about this is I went in there so wide open, uh, you know, I, I don't write no lyrics. So I just go in there and just, I just do them. You know, I just start, I got ideas and I just start saying them and, and it happens, but I've got the, 
the field is all got it's, it's all got to be the right attitude and the, the right mode and they just all hit and all these songs were new to us and just a little bit heavier real heavy but they're real commercial and um man i don't know i don't know how to explain it it was just a uh, one of those little touches from god or something you know it just uh you don't know, happen very often you know where you walk out and go you know there's things i would love to still change on it if you know if you had like four months to record or sure, five yeah. or whatever um you know but overall uh the chemistry of the band you can feel it's good uh everybody plays great uh the songs are good um uh, and the songs are all like i said they're all something when when we were recording john come out and i think he was talking about uh when it goes away he goes you know just about he goes that was listening to what we're doing in there. and he goes I remember that shit happening. I was like, yeah, every song on here, you were 10 feet from, you know, it happened right in our little nucleus thing here. And uh, and that's what's really the best part about it is, uh, you know, just writing. And when everybody in the room, because I'm sitting there on the floor going, it goes like this, come on, man, you gotta. And they're not understanding shit what I'm talking about, but when it all starts clicking and they all start getting it and, and everybody, that's all they focus on. That's my, that's probably the favorite thing, you know, because how I got them to get into to breathe and, and that song, I was, I was sitting in the floor and I, I just said, let me show you where I'm at. And I just started singing it without nothing happening. And we just started building on top of it and uh, just happened. It was just like little magical writing sessions. And, uh, you know, that's all we do is write me and Troy and, and uh, John and Gunner. That's, uh, you know, we wrote, uh, the grind record and then as soon as we were done with that we were already you know writing songs and then when i got here i was like i want to do something different as soon as we got out of the studio you know month or two months ago or whatever we've already got four new songs that we've already started writing on for the next thing and this you know we're in a good spot and you know we're just uh we ain't making no money we're not doing shit we get to play shows and ride around a cool bus and uh, you know as long as we pay our bills you know, it's just and meeting people and get to hang out and talk to people every night. And uh, that's oh. probably the, the, my other favorite thing is anybody in this business thinks that the fans are not what it's about. They're insane, you know, because I have people that uh, bring me the craziest shit and know more about me than me. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and spend their money and come and see us play and they see us act stupid and, and do all the things. And, uh, you know, after you're done and talking to a bunch of people and uh or sitting in this room writing is my two favorite things ever you know so yeah and i mean i think you know the kind of people that you get to meet that really do appreciate it that much and then you know just sort of what you talked about earlier about uh getting to meet mighty mike and getting to sign his leg you know you get stuff like that that it's like you know you you wouldn't get that uh if if you just put it out into the world oh perspective on sure i was like man you know just uh but that's what music's supposed to do, I think. And that's what this, you know, to me, that's what the feeling I get from somebody, I'm just passing along a feeling, but, you know, I just, the way it made me feel, I was just trying to convey, uh, you know, damn, you know, <laughs> whatever way it is, you know. So, uh, yeah, so the uh, the, the final question, uh, as, you know, we were, so we're, 
in these uh, strange circumstances right now, uh, are there uh, hopes or actual plans to maybe play some shows uh, later this year, next year? Uh, what, what, you know, obviously the best way to promote the album would be that, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky that I get the opportunity to talk to a lot more people who aren't on the road like they would be. I've done a lot of interviews in these last seven months and I, you know, I appreciate it. But uh, obviously the best way to do it, I think, would be getting out there to play shows, right? Well, we got a, we, you know, it's, it's kind of picking up, you know, we started picking up shows. Uh, we just did a show uh, probably a month ago with Ron Keel and, I, and I've known Ron Keel, not known him, known him, but I've done his radio show a bunch. And um, uh, by the way, Ron Keel, one of the people that I've gotten to talk to because right. he's home, you know, yeah. he's not right. out as much as he used to be, you know, and, uh, man, we just, uh, we went and played a show with him. And like I said, I've done his radio show and talked to him and, and, uh, you know, it was his first, uh, you know, the first kill record. I, I had it, and um, you know, uh, every it, it, that was awesome. So, and the show since then, it's just started. We're starting to pick them up, and uh, uh, I think it's going to break sooner or later. But yeah, man, I just uh, get out and I want to get out and play, or uh, you know, do whatever we can. But we got a couple of shows. We got one November seventh, and. Uh, we got a couple more that they keep getting, they'll call me. I said, all right, quit sending me this piece of paper. It goes, it got changed to here. Cause when it gets to here, they go, we're changing it to here. So, yeah. but um, they're slowly coming. We're trying to do a little uh, thing off our documentary. We were trying to do it. It's called like a little screening thing. We're just going to do five or six cities and uh, just go and uh, play the record. And then get on stage and play the record and some songs off the other uh, records that we still uh, that we want to play and just sure. do a of the uh, the documentary and just uh, you know just kind of a fan thing just to hang out and uh, you know just shoot shit and go out and try to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's interesting because you know you sort of have to kind of redefine what the live event experience is. You know, you do something a little different. You know, it's like it's a lot more outdoor shows. You have, uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, established bands you've heard of. You know, they'll they'll play at a drive-in or whatever. And uh, you know, outside of the musical performance, you know, it's like uh, over the weekend, I I took my kids to uh, Knott's Berry Farm, the amusement park in Southern California. But the, the park's not open. But they're doing like Halloween themed, like, you know, food tastings and you could do like a trick or treating thing where it's like they, you know, they hand them out, they have these gloves on and they drop them in the bag and they still get to wear their costumes. So it's like you just have to sort of approach things in a different way. It's like, okay, well, what are we allowed to do now? How many people can we have? Great. So we'll have people where we watch, uh, where we watch the documentary, maybe we play a few songs instead of like, you know, let's let's get a few thousand people, you know, packed into a, a club, you know, you just have to think about it differently. So, but that's great that you're able to at least get out and kind of experience it with fans. And uh, is, uh, how do people find all that? Is it just a, every mother's nightmare website or uh, it's social media? Find anything on us is uh, emnrocks.com. EMN rocks. Okay. So yeah, so that's, that's where they find everything. They can find out uh, the, the cities those are happening and uh, how to get the album. Again, the album is resurrect the faithful uh, Rick rule. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. I could talk to you about your music for another hour, other people's music, uh, people whose names we can't say, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been uh, a lot of fun to get a chance to talk to you. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing some of these songs live when you can actually get back out there and do, 
do the big size tour where, you know, you'll play the, the whiskey a go-go or the troubadour somewhere, you know, in my neck of the woods. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, being so generous with your time to talk to me. Thank you, man. I, uh, I appreciate you just want to talk to a redneck like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's always the most fun. Uh, thanks again, <laughs> Rick Rule. And uh, as for me, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. And the show, The Blackcast, can be found B L A D T C A S T, blackcast.com, at Blackcast, The Blackcast on Facebook. Thanks so much. And uh, we will see you all next time on The Blackcast. I hear you talking, you sound well, he's on your mind She'll be cheating and I could have right between the lines Well, hell yeah Oh, I can't make you back Listen to the damn show.